Today is part two of a message that I begun called It's Personal, but the title of my message today is Come to Me. Come to Me. And last time when I finished, I said that at the end of part one, that the gospel is summed up in one word, which is come. There's actually a very famous sermon that was preached that said God's favorite word is come. Nicky Gumbel says that the Bible is one long invitation to come to God. And so everywhere that Jesus went, he was offering invitations. Come, follow me. Just a few examples. Come, follow me. Come to me. Come to me and drink. We know that Jesus, John 17 tells us, Jesus came to reveal the Father. So when we talk about the nature and the character of God, what he's like, he is a very inviting God. The creator of heaven and earth, and this blows my mind, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who sustains all things, has this deep, strong desire to draw me and you into a vibrant relationship with himself. One of the most beautiful scriptures, and we're going to hang around this one today, that expresses the inviting heart of God. And his desire to draw us into a living and vibrant relationship with himself from the point of view of salvation but ongoing satisfaction is Isaiah 55. Well-known verses. I'm reading this from the New King James Version. But the heading in the New King James Version, it says an invitation to an abundant life. It's full of imagery and we're going to unpack that imagery as we go along. But this is what it says. Ho. Actually in the, in, the, in the Hebrew there. That word is pronounced hoi. Okay. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But it would literally be like this. Hoi. Everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And you who have no money. Come. Buy and eat. Yes. Come. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages or labor for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me. My heart leans in. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear. My heart leans in. Does anyone feel like God just might be up to something this morning in what he's trying to say to us today? Incline your ear and come to me, here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. The first thing I want to say to you this morning today is this, God wants to get some people's attention. Verse 1 begins with this two-letter word that we don't use nowadays, but trust me, it scores points in Scrabble. Uh, You can have that one on me as a freebie. It's in the dictionary, the word ho. It's not Santa related. But it's in the Hebrew, as I said earlier on, it's pronounced hoi. Actually, hoi was a calling word. If you look into that and you begin to dig into that, it was actually a word that was specifically used to interject in such a way as to grab or to arrest someone's attention. Give it a go. I guarantee it will work. 
walk into a room and just, hey! And I might try it when we're back on Sunday morning. I'm trying to get everyone seated, ready to start church. Rather than appealing from the front, we're going to begin now. Can you please take your seats? I'm just going to kind of go, hey! Like that. I might just get some people's attention, I think. The, the modern day translation, I guess, would be like the Amplified Classic version puts it. It would be walking into a room and just go, and it says here, wait and listen. Verse 2 begins to, God begins to develop that thought when he says, listen carefully to me. That, in that word there, listen carefully to me, in the Hebrew it translates as this, hear with attention. That means that we can hear without attention. A few wives might be jabbing their husbands in the ribs right now. But it's easy to miss or mishear what is being said when you hear without attention. You know, God never drags us to himself. He invites us. The language, come, buy, eat, enjoy. That's my modern paraphrase. But here's the problem, and and I really want you to hear this. It's highlighted in red in my notes. If we don't give God our attention, we can sadly easily miss his invitations. If we don't give God our attention, we can sadly easily miss his invitations. You know, I believe there are often moments in that time when you draw aside with God, There are moments when we are together collectively as the body of Christ and Jesus is actually issuing invitations to a a deeper place, to a fuller enjoyment, to an, an abundance that he wants us to enjoy. But if we don't afford him our attention, we miss his invitations. We miss what he has for us, a guy called John Ortberg says this. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. That's why in verse 3, he says here, incline your ear. It actually means to stretch and lean in. This is this very image that God began to highlight even as we were just worshipping there and Andy felt the Holy Spirit just to get us to dwell on that line for a moment. It's that very image. You know when someone's speaking to you and you can't quite hear what they're saying and, you just, and so you, you lean in. You just lean in, you stretch in, you stoop down to hear what that person is saying. Now, I want you to do something for me, particularly if you're watching at home right now because you can't get away with this stuff so easily when you're present in a building. But... I want you to do some stuff for me right now. I want you just to do me this favor this morning, if you would. Don't pick up the phone. Don't answer that text message. I don't even, let's let's let the chat go quiet on YouTube and Facebook right now until the end. Don't, Don't answer the text. Don't nip onto Facebook while we're under the sound of God's word this morning. Don't go and boil the kettle, dust the TV, write the shopping list. Begin to chat about what time dinner needs to be put on. Don't have anything else going on right now. Really listen. Just seek right now to be fully present in this moment. As I said, you can't get away with stuff so easily when you're in the room. But at home, I've sat at home. Friends, it's so easy, isn't it? So easy at this time. I can't wait until we can be back together again. There's nothing like being together. But in this season, I'm grateful that we can do this. But one of the biggest challenges is that when 
In their environment, it's so easy to be distracted by other things. I've done it. My phone's gone ping. Something's happened. I've, you know, I'm thirsty. I've popped out the room. I, I've done it. I listened to a preacher the other day. He's saying, look, I want to be really honest. He said, I got invited to speak at something just recently. He said, and I was looking around. I thought, gosh, I, that hedge needs cutting. I've heard some of these worship songs before. And he said he was strimming the hedge, waiting until his point to come back and speak in the service. I thought, wow, that's really honest. I don't strim hedges at the best of times, so you haven't got that issue with me, but... I know what he's saying. It's so easy to be distracted and not fully present in a moment. You know, Corrie Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Her point was really that sin and distraction both have the same effect. They, they cut our connection to God. But determined this morning to hear with attention. Don't miss his invitation because God says, come to me. Come to me. Just, just close your eyes, whether you're here or at home right now, without anything else. And just, I pray right now by the Holy Spirit, you'll hear Jesus speaking this deep into your heart. Not me, not a man, not in a pulpit. I just want you to hear the, the inviting heart of God to you this morning. That God, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, is speaking deep into your heart. There is an invitation that is coming from the heart of God. To every one of us this morning, and it is simply this, come to me. It's an invitation Isaiah 55 teaches us to enjoy and receive the blessings of the gospel. We've been talking about the gospel a lot when I've been preaching lately. I've read these three verses described as the banquet of salvation. It's a table that we are invited to as we come by faith and repentance and put our trust in Jesus Christ. We turn to him as I talked about these last couple of weeks. We come to this table for the first time, but friends, it's a table we need to continually return to. It is the banquet of salvation. It is the blessings of the gospel. And the Bible is full of imagery of this invitation to banquets and feasts that are spread with the best of food and the best of drink. And it appears repeated times that the heart of God is I invite you to salvation and beyond that I invite you to ongoing satisfaction. You know, Dane Ortland wrote a brilliant book called Gentle Gentle and Lowly. I recommend it. Uh, There's a couple of books I'm going to give a shout out to today. Uh, I I recommend you go and get this book. It's beautiful. I know people who I've recommended to, uh, you know, saying to me, actually, it's transformed their relationship with God. But he says this. He says, nothing but coming to him, to Jesus, is required. First at conversion and a thousand times thereafter until we are with him upon death. The Christian life boils down to two steps. One, go to Jesus. Two, See number one. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is not as God only wanting to get some people's attention. I want to talk about whose attention it is he's trying to get. Because God says, I have what you need and I want you to have it. And there's two people he wants to get their attention of. Two types of folk and we all fall into one of these two. Number one, God invites those who are aware of their need. Talks about those who are thirsty and have no money, he invites. It's those who recognize, actually, I can't buy what I really need, what I'm really 
thirsty for. And I say that word really with emphasis this morning because I'm talking to you about your deepest needs, your deepest longings. I'm talking about the deepest levels of satisfaction, the deepest levels of joy, the deepest levels of peace, the deepest levels of hope and satisfaction. You know, I'm sure that we've, we've all known that feeling where there's something that you want at some point, no matter what our financial state might be now, at some point, you know, I'm sure there's been something in many of our lives, unless perhaps we were, you know, born into a situation where, you know, everything was always available to us. But if not, you know, when you want something you need, but you can't afford it, you know, it's, a, it's available, it exists, but it's just out of reach, For me as a kid, it was a specific pair of Umbro football boots. They were available, but they always just seemed just out of reach back in the day when Umbro was a big deal. That's the image here, that actually there's this longing, this thirsting, but it's like what you really deep down desire and need just feels like it's just out of reach. I can't quite grab a hold of it. It's it's available, but I can't get it. But Jesus is saying to us here, it's available in me. Come to me. The point is really this, there's no power, money, position, prestige that can buy what only God has to give, what God has to offer. And you sort of think to yourself, as you really think, God, but you seem to like contradict yourself because you talk about he who has no money, you know, come buy and eat. How do I buy what I've got no money to buy? It seems a paradox, but it's a principle that I want us to understand. Actually, it's a beautiful principle if we can really grasp this this morning. It is a principle of transaction that occurs as we learn to come to God. That as we come empty handed and we come to him, there's a transaction that happens in that very moment. It might be in worship, it might be in prayer, in adoration or praise. But we come empty handed. We don't have it, but somehow in the heavenlies, a transaction begins to take place where God says, take what I have for you and it's yours just as if you'd bought it. Own it. This is for you and I want you to have it. Friends, we need to pay attention to listen to the invitations that invite us into the deeper moments of transactions. Where this transaction happens, where we come to him and all that he is and all that we need is found and realized in him. And a transaction begins to take place where we receive from the Father. From the Son, from the Holy Spirit. It's called the great exchange. It's true that when I come to him for salvation, I turn to him in faith and repentance. I take the forgiveness and freedom, the cleansing and eternal life. Because Jesus has paid for it all. And I take it by faith. That's the great exchange. But it's true of his ongoing provision that transactions happen in his presence. How many people have come to God empty and left full? And so if you're thirsty for real love, hope, peace, joy, but you can't get a hold of it, Jesus says you can in me. Some of you need to hear that today for the first time for salvation. Some of you are thirsty and need to be reminded to return to the table. 
Secondly, God invites the self-sufficient. He says, you who have money, come. God wants to get the resources, uh, sorry, God wants to get the attention of those with the resources to pursue a life or a lifestyle they feel will satisfy. In verse 1, you who have no money. In verse 2, those of you who have money. He wants to get the attention of people say, actually, I do have something of the resources at my disposal to pursue a life or a lifestyle that I feel will satisfy. But John Piper says this, but what's the result? What do we see in Isaiah 55? Frustration. They're not like the other person, burnt out at the end of their rope. They're still spending, still working, dreaming, chasing, searching, experimenting, but still no pot at the end of the rainbow. When you're honest, you know there is a canyon of need and longing on the inside. No matter how self-sufficient you look on the outside. And God knows even better than you. He has you in mind when he says, why do you spend your money for bread which is no bread or not bread? And labor for dreams that do not satisfy. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread? It actually means bread of deceit. It means there are things which seem to offer us, offer us satisfaction and we invest in them. This thing about spending is an image of a man who's sitting and weighing out his money. Where am I going to apportion it? Where am I going to invest it? Where am I going to spend it? And it's the image of the man, the woman, the family who sit at home going, right, we've got X amount. Where do we need to invest? What's going to bring us that happiness, that joy, that, that satisfaction that it might be the next holiday or the next house or the next car or, or whatever it is. But it's that kind of image but we find they transpire to be not bread. What it's actually saying is, actually, we're trying to fill what's classically known as that God-shaped void or hole that's on the inside of us that only God fits. Like, do you remember those when we uh, had young children and we had those boxes and you had to get the specific shape to the corresponding size hole, you know, and they would sit there learning what shape fits in. Don't you feel that so often in life it's like we're taking the wrong things and trying to jam them in the hole? There's a specific God-shaped hole that exists on the inside of us that only God satisfies our deepest longings and needs. But sometimes we try and jam stuff in and fill stuff, you know, get it through there. But it's designed for God and only God can really satisfy our deepest longings and need. Proverbs 27 verse 20 says, Never satisfied are the eyes of man. The New Living Translation says, Human desire is never satisfied. If I just had a little more of this, or I just had a little more of that. And God's appealing to his saying, See that the things that people pursue are incapable of meeting your deepest needs, desires, and longings. But contrast that with what Jesus said and what Janet read at the beginning. I am the bread of life. There is a not bread. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Saved or unsaved, the message is simply this. If we don't come to God and learn to keep coming back to God, we'll always feel like we're hungry and thirsty. The third thing I want to say to you this simply then this morning is this. Isaiah 50 to 5 is an invitation from God to a life you actually ache for. We see it in what we're invited to. He talks about three things. Water, uh, wine and milk. They're three blessings, if you like, of coming to Jesus. Three blessings of the gospel. Three things that God invites us to 
And as I've dug into this and researched this and read commentaries, they talk about how those three drinks correspond to the deepest needs and longings that every person has. Water, we heard it this morning, is critical for human life. Indispensable. It's a symbol for life itself. In some places, the Bible uses water as a metaphor and speaks of the water of life or living water. Jesus talks about a water that only he can give that doesn't just quench our physical thirst, but our spiritual one. That more than we need water uh, to give life to our bodies, we need living water that gives life to our spirits. I think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4, thirsty from a life of broken relationships and mess and muddle and confusion. A woman who'd relationally thought this was going to satisfy her needs and longings and Jesus is conversing with her and he shows her more than a drink from the well. She needs living water. The water of life, salvation and cleansing, eternal life, the Holy Spirit. John 7 verse 37 to 38, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Revelation 21 verse 6, to all who are thirsty, I will give freely, some versions say, water without cost. From the springs of the water of life. Revelation 22 verse 17. Let the one who says come. uh, Sorry, let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Come. If you've never given your heart to Jesus this morning, there's going to be an opportunity to do that at the end. He wants you to come to the waters of life and take that freedom and that forgiveness and that eternal life that he has for you. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit and cause living waters to bubble up and rise up on the inside. There's going to be an opportunity to do that. But the Bible also uses water as a metaphor for refreshing and restoration and reviving. How many people know we need refreshing and restoration and reviving? My God, if we're ever in a season when we need some of that. Friends, just hear his heart, the invitation of his heart. Come to me and drink. Psalm 23, verse 2 to 3. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul, my life. Return to the table. Secondly, there's milk. Now that speaks of strength and nourishment. If you want a baby to grow day after day, you give them milk. See, Jesus doesn't just want to be that 999 God who we come to when we're thirsty and desperate and in crisis. He wants to nourish us and sustain us. He wants us to grow and become stable and strong and healthy and well. Physically, practically, emotionally, relationally. He wants to meet our daily needs. He wants to be our daily provision. He wants to be our daily strength. Lamentations 3 verse 23 says, His mercies are new every morning. 
What did we hear this morning without mixing metaphors too much and imagery too much from water and wine and everything? And the bread we heard about this morning, he is our daily bread. The Lord's Prayer was a daily prayer. Give us this day our daily bread was the heart, the emphasis of it. Every day, I know there's an issue of an invitation from Jesus for me to come to him and receive what I need. That's what we heard this morning. You know, there's a survey done of over 20,000 Christians around the world, and it was called Obstacles to Growth. And busyness was identified as the major distraction from the spiritual life. That we're sometimes just too busy to respond to the invitations of his heart. Come to me. But Jesus is saying in this, if you want to experience this water, this milk, this wine, I'll talk about that in a moment. Adopt a lifestyle of coming to me. Come to me as a way of life. Come to the table and keep coming back to the table. Come to the feast and keep coming back to the feast. You know, I read a book. I want to shout out this book. I've been meaning to do it for weeks. Buy yourself a copy of this book. One of the best books I've ever read in my life. One was the one I said earlier on, Gentle and Lonely. This one, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World. Within the pages of the book, you'll find a compelling emotional and spiritual case against hurry and in favor of a slower and simpler way of life. Really encourage you to get it, friends, and and read it. And he talks in there about how Jesus' schedule was packed, but he rooted himself in connectedness to God. Doing whatever he could to come to the Father. Rising up early, staying up late, withdrawing from the crowd, getting alone with him. He models us a way of life, a rule of life, a way to thrive and not get pulled in to the busyness and the hustle and bustle of the world. And God makes a plea. Hey, please hear what I am saying. Please don't let the invitation of other things and the pursuit of other things drown out my voice of the invitation that I am issuing. Hey. Then there's wine. Well, that's used at special feasts and that portrays the joy that Jesus gives. Commentaries talk about how it represents that which is to cheer. Aren't you glad this morning that you don't worship some dull, distant, uninterested, dead God? (laughs) Jesus is our joy. There's something on the inside of us, no matter how old you are, there's still something of that young child on the inside of every one of us that longs for that which exhilarates us. That joy and and that cheer. Now that might change down the years, but the things that cause us that. But it's like I love the fact that Jesus doesn't come to us and just say, "Hey, come to me, and I'll make you stable and strong." In kind of like a stoic and unemotional kind of distant way. It's kind of all sounds a bit sort of boring. Jesus literally says, "Come to me. I want to thrill your soul. I want to exhilarate you, and I want you to feel joy in my presence and cheer." My God, friends, we need, to, we need to plumb the depths of this. We need to learn there's an invitation to a joy that is like no other joy. Someone who thrills your soul like nothing and no one else can. Oh God, teach us again what it is to be exhilarated in your presence. 
to be thrilled. I've been praying this week, God, let joy break out again. God, let there be dancing in the house of God. Let there be tears in the house of God. Tears of joy. God, bring the joy. And Jesus is saying, all that thrills your soul is me. There's an old hymn. I ain't even got a clue where I know it from. Text Andy and said, do you know it? He said, no. Amanda said, I said, we're talking to Amanda Swan. She said, I don't know it. I text him. I said, do you know it? He says, I know it well. <laughs> I don't know where, but let me just read these words. I don't, I'm sorry if it appears small. I needed to get them on the same screen. If it looks rubbish at home, I'm sorry. But just listen to the, the, the beautiful words of this. I think I must have heard Tim and Janet sing it or uh, play it on the piano or maybe on the, you know, the CD or something when I've been to the house. Just listen to these words. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus? By his presence all divine, true and tender, pure and precious. How blessed to call him mine. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of 10,000 in my blessed Lord I see. Love of Christ so freely given. Grace of God beyond degree. Mercy higher than the heaven. Deeper than the deepest sea. You keep going back to the refrain, but for the benefit of time, we won't. What a wonderful redemption. Never can a mortal know how my sin, though red like crimson, can be whiter than the snow. Every need is hand supplying, every good in him I see. On his strength divine relying, he is all in all to me. By the crystal flowing river, with the ransomed I will sing. And forever and forever, praise and glorify the King. Come on, read the refrain with me this morning. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of 10,000. In my blessed Lord, I see. See, not are we only invited to things of the most beautiful quality. I love the fact that there's not just quality, there is quantity. He says, eat what is good and let your soul delight in its abundance. That word good means top quality. The best there is, the best that's available, the best love, the best joy, the best peace, the best freedom. And it's available, Jesus says, well, I've just got enough for today. First come, first serve. Sorry, out of stock. No, he says, it's available in abundance. There's a lot of it. The best water, the best milk, the best wine, the best refreshing, best restoration, best strength, best health, best joy. And it never runs out. Psalm 36 verse 8 says, they feast on the abundance of your house. Rachel's getting excited now because if ever I've known somebody who loves the scriptures so much to talk about feasts and abundance and banquets, it's Rachel Osborne. And I heard her just go, ah, right then, even and I began to read it. It says, they who feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Wow. The abundance of your house delights. And he makes this covenant with us. He says, when we come to him, he makes the same covenant, and I'm nearly done, that he made with King David. It talks about the sure mercies in verse 3 of David. Other versions say this, the steadfast, sure love. It's a covenant of steadfast, sure love. The New Living Translation says it's a covenant of unfailing love. What is God saying? He says this, when you accept my invitation, I bind myself. I make an unbreakable oath, an unbreakable commitment 
Dictionaries, uh, sorry, commentaries say it's everlasting, it's irrevocable, it's unfailing, it's to be relied on. What is it? Jesus is simply saying this, I'll be all you need forevermore. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But he says what? And this is my last point. Come to me. Friends, in the midst of all the imagery and all that I've tried to pack in this morning, please don't miss the crucial thing. Wait! Wait! Listen! Please don't miss this invitation. Please let this grab your attention. The deepest needs and longings of your heart, your salvation and ongoing satisfaction. God's saying they're not a commodity. They're a person. In verse 1 he says, come to the waters. But in verse 3 he tells us what he means. Come to me. See, God is our water, our milk, our wine. Jesus is our salvation, satisfaction, our meaning. He is the life we ache for. He is our living water, the refresher, the restorer, the nourisher, the strength, our health, our joy. He is good. We delight ourselves in him. He says, come, drink, buy, eat. His invitation is for us to experience and enjoy not a thing, a person. It's a relationship with him. Dane Ortland in that book I mentioned says, we do not come to a set of doctrines. We do not come to a church. We do not even come to the gospel. All these are vital, but most truly we come to a person. To Christ himself. You know, friends, I'm reading a book at the moment, or on Audible, Francis Chan. Andy, do you want to come back and the band can get ready? I'm reading a book at the moment, um, Letters to the Church. I've got it on Audible. Just listening to it last night, laying on my couch. And he says this, he talks about church and growing church and people coming to church. He just says something, just put a little check in my spirit. And he says this, we want people to fall in love with Jesus, not with us. And he talked, he used this illustration, I promise I am really nearly done. He used an illustration of his daughter and he says to his daughter, if I threw you a birthday party and we invited at school your friends and we said they're just going to come And they're just going to enjoy being with you. And there'll be some birthday cake. And you'll just sit and you'll share birthday cake. But that's all we're going to do is an opportunity for that to do. How many of the school would come? And she says, Daddy, maybe two or three of my friends would want that, would come to that. And he says, but what if I hired, and let's use Farmer Fred's, the big play barn that's at Heacham, if you don't know what it is. What if I hired Farmer Fred's and 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 I... put money into it and I gave them all free tokens and I bought them all frizzy drinks and I gave them all the meals that they want and I let them all play. How many of you, how many of you, how many people from school would come? And he says, she turned to me and confidently said, Daddy, the whole school. 
the whole school. And he said, and what if I turned to you while they're all there and I said to you, look, all these people have come for you. And he talks in the book how she realizes they didn't come for me, daddy. They came for everything else. He talks about how church must be the place. Number one, where we come for Jesus. Friends, we can add all the externals. And he says about how sometimes God's looking down and we're saying, God, look, they've all come for you. And God's going, they haven't come for me. But that's what God's heart longs for and aches for. That we would come for him and to him. No clauses, no objections. He says, everyone who thirsts. Don't discount yourself. Don't rule yourself out. He's all you need for salvation, ongoing satisfaction. Your deepest needs and longings are available, but it's available in Christ. You simply have to do one thing. Come to him. My hope this morning is you'd see God's heart. He's calling and bidding and inviting you. Hi. Come to me.